So I'd like to have a warm welcome for Mr. Kevin Haggerty. Thank you. Larry, are these yours? The last no. Well, I got to thank Larry. Cost him about a couple hundred bucks for a round trip ticket. I know what it cost all of us on Friday, but but you know it's a lose. It's a, it's a win here, but it was a lot it was a lot bigger loss on Friday, I think. I I haven't even seen the newspaper this morning, but I just saw some of the numbers going across the empty suit financial channel, and you know saw things up twenty five dollars, twenty eight dollars, and or whatever. You know just just a couple of those points, right? We don't need to be greedy, but it was quite a day, I guess. Uh, what I'm going to try to do today is not take any questions. I don't know, you know, this is, not, I'm, this is not a fine science for me. I don't know that I can do this in an hour and a half. And uh, I'm probably a terrible organizer of time. So I don't know if I have too much, too, I know it's not too little. Um, and, I, and I tend to ramble. So please, um, let, let's do the questions at the end. I get fired at, at uh, 9.30, so I can talk from now until 2.30 tomorrow afternoon, anytime you grab me, uh, you know. So I'm certainly, I certainly, I welcome that, I enjoy it, and uh, as long as the voice holds out, I, I'll do that. So what I'll try to do is go over some of the things, especially fading the open. I know, you know, there's always the 10% or 5% thinking about not being there Friday where they were trading and being out here. And I'll go over a, a one or two numbers there on the volatility bands. You pro if you miss it, don't worry about it. It's very clearly explained in the book. But I think the, the markets have changed dramatically. Um, I think what was standard procedure, textbook, uh, Edwards McGee, or whatever the names are, that type of stuff, uh, you know, it, it, it's, the volatility is just too great. And, and the, reasons, the reasons for it and the way the players play the game, uh, it's, it, it changes what all of us have to do, the adjustments you have to make. And they're all pleasant adjustments, um, but it, it's, uh, it is a new game. And I think that going forward, I think it's mandatory that you learn how to utilize options if you're going to enter in any kinds of uh, position strategies where you're taking stocks home. I don't mean, you know, mutual funds or, or things like that, or proxies or XLKs, you know, the spiders, the American Stock Exchange. I think, uh, I think that the markets are going to change dramatically. The mutual funds are under the gun. They've got real problems. The problems are their expenses. The more these derivatives come out, the more they have problems. 12B1 expenses, where they, uh, they market so they can bring in more money, and then they charge you, you and I. So that's very difficult to keep up when you can go out and expose yourself to technology by buying XLKs or, in general, the spiders, you know, the QQQs, spiders, or a mix of things in sectors. So that's probably good because it, it, it jacks it up another level where they have, to do, they have to do well. They have to perform. So your money is going to go to those portfolio managers that can, that can beat it, can beat the S&P 500. 85, 90% can't do that. So, you know, I just, uh, just one more aside, I have a son and he takes the Triborough Bridge to work every day and his wife's a specialist, he's a $2 broker and our father's a specialist. So they take the Triborough Bridge, there's another bridge, the 3rd Avenue Bridge that you go down, doesn't cost anything, it's probably quicker. So it cost him $7 a day, the Triborough Bridge. So I was kidding him one morning. I said, okay, big bucks, 
why don't you take the Willis Avenue Bridge? I said, have you, have you taken $7 a day and compounded that out 20, 25 years on how much money you put in at the end of each month? It came to about $140. It was over $300,000, assuming like a 12% rate. So what would you do? Would you take the Triborough Bridge or would, you, or would you take the Willis Avenue Bridge? That, in essence, is what we, we, we as traders, position people, try. that's the thought process. How, how can we comp compound our money? And I know Mark Boucher has commented on this. Short-term trading, obviously the opportunity to compound money uh, you know, over and over and over and over again is the essence of what short-term trading is. It's a lot easier, uh, uh, a lot easier, and I, that word easy, you know, dangerous, but it's easier to make a lot of three, four, five percent gains. It doesn't mean it's a necessarily a day trade. It could be, you know, a, 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 until you get stopped out. I don't believe in such things as swing trading, intermediate trading, long-term trading. To me, if you look at a daily chart and get a pattern, and you get entry on it, and it's in the trading tree, okay, at a, at a reasonable, reasonable position in the momentum phase, and the trading tree for a position where I'm going to you take something home, starts at the 200-day moving average, basically, where you get that first breakout of a consolidation around the 200-day moving average. And at that point in time, the stock starts to get sponsorship by the uh, institutions, the, perception of, the perceptions of earnings to come, or, or turnaround, whatever it happens to be. That's the base of the tree. Now, as you go further up the tree, you know, the tree's not as sturdy, all right? So ideally, you're gonna, you're gonna come out of the basing phase in a stock, if you're fundamentally whatever it happens to be, and then you're in the momentum phase where you have flags and pennants and consolidations and thrust and dynamite triangles, anything where you have contracting volatility or thrust and then contracting volatility, uh, and, then you, and then, then you stay with that stock all the way up, hopefully if you don't get stopped. So that's, that's, that's the trading trade. So, you know, in a parabolic market, the mistake, I think, not a mistake, but I think the misconception everybody has is just you keep buying high, 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 high. Well, that's great. Terrific. But buy all the way up. That third or fourth buy should be high, high, high if you're on the stock. Now, you have less risk if you're buying at the lower part of the momentum phase than at the absolute possible top, even though you can get some parabolic moves. But, you know, make those entries. So that's, that's, how, that's how I frame what I feel in the business because I come from the proprietary trading side, okay, as a position trader, making bids and offers for alliances and everybody else, getting buried, you know, that come in, what do you pay for 200,000 this? You put it on, there's another three million behind it. I'll pay you this for 200,000 to work the order. Well, they worked the order with me for three, they worked the order with me for three days until markets going south and they run to wherever they can sell stock. So, there are, diff there are different kinds of buying and selling pressure on the markets at all different times. It's dynamically changing, day-to-day, minute-to-minute. And that's what I'm going to try to do today, if I can bring it together with the intraday trading tree, show you and relate it that it's the same, one and the same, with the daily, weekly charts, what have you, all right? doesn't matter that you, you want to do it just intraday. The thought process is there, and that's what I'm going to try to get at. And, and not complicated, uh, it's very simple because I, I, I firmly believe that, that when, when we do it, everything we do revolves around identifying buying and selling pressure and change in direction. It's not magic formulas, it's, uh, you know, and then once you do that, then you, then you structure your trades. 
That's totally different than saying, okay, I want to own Intel, at, which I did at 40 and 7 eighths, and I want to sell the elite 2003 puts, okay, 35 puts, and I want, to, I want to sell the 60 calls and buy the stock at 40 and 7 eighths, where if at expiration, Intel will recover and run up, okay, I'm stopped at 60, and, I can't make any more money than 68 and 7 eighths, but from 40 and 7 eighths, I'm very happy, that's 82%, 40% a year, but my downside, okay, by doing the combo is if all goes to hell and I get elected and I have to buy stock at 35, well, you subtract your premiums. I bought stock at 40 and 7 eighths. Selling the put means if the world comes to an end, I have to buy stock at 35. That cost is 37 and change. I got 14 and 7 eighths points premium by selling the put and selling the call. So I own Intel at 23. So that now I sit there and I say, okay, am I comfortable with that tra trade? I, I have 40% a year. That's where I'm topped, you know, assuming no adjustments or anything, and, and you don't. I mean, it's a position trade. That's an IRA trade. Forget me not. See you later. Wake up two years from now. Or hopefully it doesn't happen real early. Intel's worth more than that in cash. So that's the type of stuff in position. You know, the papers just recently, same thing. They're, they're very, very strong patterns. But the papers aren't great traders. I mean, that's something you tuck away if you get 30% or something like that. So your strategy has to be definite. You have to have a trading plan. Can you make money day trading? Absolutely. Is it difficult? Uh, no, it's not difficult to recognize the things you have to follow to make money. Is it difficult to, uh, the difficulty comes in, the, in incorporating the market dynamics with the, your, how you take the trade, whether it be we'll go opening reversals or retracement, so whatever it happens to be, whatever, whatever tells you there's a change in direction, right, where I see people get in trouble, and they should, there's no reason why, the, 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 that's the part you can learn. That's method, that's structure, that's easy to understand, but incorporating with the dynamics is a different thing. And that's where traders, and that's where when it, everybody writes about it and what have you, when I, Larry asked me if I wanted to do this, I said, I don't know, I don't know, you know and, and he said, we talked about thought process of what, you know, what, what I thought about, you know, how you do things and what have you. And I said, because you read a lot of books on patterns, they're all by excellent people and what have you. So I said, I said, I don't know. I said, that's not really where I come from. Where I come from is, is the I think the dynamics make the pattern. The pattern doesn't make the trade. Great questions last night. Uh, one gentleman said to me, he said, well, I go through the deal and I get 20 stocks. They all set up. Which one should I take? Dilemma we have every morning, right? Which I can't put 20 orders in, and I'm, you know, I want to know which ones to take. Well, we'll go to go through the selection process, but that's where an understanding of the dynamics helps. All right, and I, we just have a screen we put up this weekend, which is exactly what I use uh, to use. I've used it uh, ever since, uh, you know, Fidelity and as a proprietary trader, just to be, I can look and see the whole market in 10 minutes in the morning. See 600 stocks, you can do more, 500 S&P 500 stocks, 100 NDX 100 stocks. After that, I'm not fully interested, unless it's you know, something where you can do in your IRA. Um, big stocks pattern up, small stocks don't. Erratic trading stocks don't pattern up, big cap liquid stocks do. So this is gonna enable you to do that. So the, we'll start with the, pro, the process, okay? And this is, this is not in the book. I apologize because I couldn't write it. I mean, I just, I too many if, if, and ifs. You know, the thing you want to get from this right here is not so much a one through 10 on what they are. The, the, what you want to get from what I want to 
kind of cover with you right now is, is in general, I want to be in stocks that are trending stocks, especially day trading or position trading, so, you know, unless it's real long-term coming out of the base of the trade. I want to be in those stocks. Those are high relative strength stocks. They're trending. Uh, they're usually above both their 50 and 20. So when I'm in the selection process, if it's down to 25 stocks, I say which ones are above the 20. You know, they're exhibiting stronger, stronger moves, more thrust. And that's how it goes. It's just a process of elimination. And, and that's kind of what I want to I cover. But we're limited. It, it, there's a tremendous amount of players out there, and I think you'll enjoy this. Tell you exactly how it starts from the time the order starts on the mutual funds portfolio manager's desk and what the thought process is all along the line. And you'll realize that the key point here is, hey, wait a second, I, I, can't, I have no control over that. I can't do anything about that. And when you see this, you'll realize that your job is to identify the direction and is the train going, to, going north, is it going south, is it still at the station? All right? That's really what our job is. And then if we select the right universal stocks, um, you put yourself in a very high probability situation. All right? So get started. That was too long of an introduction, of course, but bear with it. What we're looking for is the dynamics of all the parts. All right? The dynamics start with the, port, with the, with the, with the institutions. Now, when I, buy side is our institutions that pay commissions. Sell side are institutions that receive them. Sell side is Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, etc. Buy side is Fidelity Alliance, T. Rowe Price, Capital Guarding, research here in LA. That's the buy side. Um, hedge funds, you know what hedge funds are. Uh, accelerators, when I use the term accelerators, those are people that, that try to, to, to move a trade. They're, they try to, everything is catalyst trading. In the 80s, it was mergers and tenders. You go in and we did it. We took over Champion Products, the small firm we were at. We took, took Champion, saw the, got started to buy the stock, facilitated the deal. Sarah Lee came in and bought it from us. But what we were doing was gunning the stock, absolutely just gunning the stock, buying it, buying it. It was really cheap. We started to gun the stock, keep it. People took notice, increase in volume. They said, wow, people started buying the stock because there was an increase in volume. And lo and behold, we put it in play. All right, because uh, there was a way to way around it to, to be able to get the, the deal done if it would happen. There was no, you know, uh, no covenants or nothing in there that prevented somebody from taking him over. And then Sarah Lee came in and took it from us. All right, that, that was the 80s when the deals were, you know, hot and heavy. Now, um, the reason why you can day trade and I can day trade is because of uh, the futures. That's the only reason. Day trading has been here forever, but day trading was more short-term trading, and the day, day trading, when I came in the business, started, uh, is, was scalping, because you didn't have this range. You didn't have daily range like we have now. So you're trading for quarters and eighths and what have you, and the only people that could do that are the ones that didn't pay commissions. Right now, basically, here we are, futures come along, you got the Mickey Mouse Globex, which is great, and that's, that's where you, people go in and just, if, if I got something doing a program, which I, I did programs, I got something doing a program, I go into Globex, start doing the futures, and, and it amazes me that they let it continue that a small amount of action, a small amount of players can totally control the New York Stock Exchange opening, can totally control the Chicago Board of Options opening on nothing. It's great for the specialist, but it also, it's just like a windfall for us, right? Programs, 
they're, they're wonderful. Futures, they're wonderful. So when I hear them talk about day traders, they're so far off base. They've created the day traders. The SEC and everything, they've created us, all right? So it's great. The, what happens, the order, the, at, the, at a mutual fund or at a big account, portfolio decisions are made for the current day. Orders are sent to the trading desk, to the buy side trading desk. Now, there might be a desk of five, six traders, might be 20, depends on what, which account it is, which size, the account meaning which buy side uh, account. Market intelligence process begins before the opening. What is that process? All right. Every firm in the street is calling them up with a research call. You know, before you read about it or hear it on the, uh, on the CNBC or any other financial news, before you see it in the Dow Jones or the Reuters, that call's going at 6 in the morning, 6.30 in the morning, 7 in the morning. And if it's a real strong call, it's really going to have it. They got it the night before. Portfolio managers, research analysts, the portfolio managers. You know, direct cut. Now, that's fine. That's the nature of the business. Nothing wrong with that because it's not a company announcement. Just say, hey, and they won't say, I'm going to downgrade it tomorrow. They just say, boy, these semis look real weak. Just don't like them here. What else do you have to say? Right? Okay. Lo and behold, though, the timing is such that it comes, you know, fairly soon to that type of dialogue. But that's, that's, that's the information business. That, uh, that's the process. And there's nothing wrong with it. All right. They have, a, they have, so they get, everybody in the street's calling them up, but the portfolio level and at the buy side desk, sales traders are individuals that work for the Morgan Stanley's, Goldman Sachs, that sit there and then you get a lot of merchandise in the morning, they pick the phone up, they call their accounts, whoever it happens to be, you know, at the buy side, we're a buyer of this, seller of that, this is what our research guy said. They're getting this input from all over the street. Now they also have their own research, in-house research, that they're getting that input. So now the buy-side trader, they, they really kind of have a pretty good handle on what's going to happen that day, away from the economic reports that are coming, that did come, or what have you. So it's a very interesting process, but it, it's a loaded deck. And the next thing they get, after they get that direct call from sales traders telling them what stocks they're buying or selling, size usually, say, look, I got 100, it works bigger, got 100, but I, I can probably do more, well, you know. The sales trader's got to work for the firm, the broker's firm, but he's got to, you know, can't just give away his whole hand, but don't worry about it. I got more, da 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 and all of a sudden, as a buy-side trader, I got a pretty good handle what kind of size is to be bought and sold, you know, within the, within the scope of getting that kind of information. The next thing is, is they have their, in, I said internal and external, they get direct calls from sales traders, then there's Autex and there's Instanet. Autex, I don't know if you're probably not familiar with it, that's uh, Thompson Financial. Autex is where every morning sales traders put their indications. I'm a large buyer of this, large seller of this. I sit there as a buy-side trader. I see all this information coming in electronically. All of a sudden, if I see Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, Donaldson, you name it, Credit Suisse, First Boston, um, all coming in as large buyers of different semis, let's say, all right? or drugs or what have you, and I've got drugs to buy, well, I gotta say, okay, what's my strategy today? Well, I, bet I gotta tell my broker to be aggressive, I've got competition, all right? Uh, I better maybe go get capital, that means I better call a firm up and say, hey, will you short me 100 or 200 to get me going, I'll give you the order to work the balance or whatever it happens to be for the day. So, you know, things start to happen, and that's how, we're, we, as, we, I'll move, as we get into the openings, this aggressiveness and this buying and selling pressure, we've got to recognize it, but you've got to know in the background how, how it's, where it emanates from and how it proceeds, right? So 
Then they have internal systems where people aren't allowed to call them and they keep filling five cells in there, right? That's, 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 you know, so they see that. They get a third market call. Third market means Jeffries, Whedon, Cantor Fitzgerald. Buy side accounts for some reason think that calling the third market is different than calling Mayor Fidelity Capital Markets or Goldman Sachs or somebody like that, uh, any regular standard brokerage thing. So when they, when they do that, it kind of like I think is a mystery. Well, third market's calling the same accounts that the brokerage firms are. Yeah. Never understood it, but it, goes, it dates back to years when it started. So that's another way they get this. And, and the third market gets some great indications of, of large size, too. Then there's a fourth market call, which I'm sure none of you know about. There's a fourth market. The fourth market call is where the institution, buy-side institution, can hook up with another buy-side institution direct. You know, people are saying bypass exchanges and do that, ECNs. That's a lot of hogwash. Institutions were trading with each other in the early 70s, direct in the fourth market, off board. They're allowed to do that. There's a, uh, there's a, a fellow out here, I think, uh, I can't remember his name, Brand or whatever his name, he married Janet Lee or Vivian Lee, whatever her name was. But uh, he started a fourth market firm, still going. I see him at some of the, uh, you know, some of the convention type stuff. Then there's direct access from the floor, right? Institutions use their own brokers on the floor. All right, they go directly to a $2 broker on the floor, which is what they're allowed to do, where if they don't want to know, if they don't want the brokerage firms to know they got sell to buy, they go directly to a $2 broker on the floor. That $2 broker works the order, picks the phone up, calls back the institution, and gives them all the feedback, because that broker's standing in the crowd, all right? Gives them all that direct feedback of who's buying, who's selling, and this is the way the institutions catch brokerage firms from kind of running ahead of them or checking the merchandise. So that's what happens. Um, they get a great call, all right? Then they get a summary of their retail order flow. Every retail, every major firm that has retail order flow, and this is where we, all of us make money, every firm has a retail order flow, and then they just call up, and, and, the, and the buy side says, well, how's your retail order flow this morning? Well, it's to the sell side, 60-40. Well, they do that around the street, and they pretty much know that that action is going to be down, down, down. So if they've got a stock to buy, they know they might get a chance to buy some discounted stock. All right? The institutions are very concerned about getting their share of the volume if they have it to buy. They're concerned about the volume-weighted average price uh, because, they, you know, why buy it at 75 when you can buy it at 77 and beat the, the, average, you know, the volume-weighted average price? But if you buy it at 75, all of it, and it goes down, now you haven't beat it. You figure that logic out. And the reason that's, the reason that's no big deal is because if they own 5 million shares, what's the difference if they buy 100 you know, at, 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 at a higher price at that point in time? So now you and I sit. Now we're upstairs. We're on the screen trying to figure out where to buy them or sell them. Right? Now, do you think that we should you know, have the audacity to, to impose what should be on that screen and on your order flow or on those trades, not a chance, right? Doesn't it really mean that we should let them be our research department? We should be in stocks that are trending and trading? Doesn't it mean that we should identify buying and selling pressure? Doesn't it, doesn't it mean that we should be cognizant and, and, and totally aware of change of direction and how to identify it? I think so, and I hope you do. All right, selection of daily stock setups, it starts with that. All right, overweighted by the generals, I think I made mention of that. Okay. Um, they make it move, and when an institution's involved in a stock, 
they're going to make it happen. All right. They're going to, they're overweighted in it. And I'll tell you at the end, uh, you know, we kind of get an idea on, they're called N30Ds. You can get them, they're SEC filings. But you get a little idea of what the major stocks are. But you all kind of know what the overweighted stocks are. You know that techs have been overweighted, et cetera. So you want to be in those stocks because they get money in every day, every week, every day. And they, and they, and they put more money to that stock. They don't buy a block of stock, a couple million shares and say, okay, the earnings are going to take it up in the fundamentals. They, the larger ones are going to make those trades good. So they're very conscious of technical levels. Very, very technical. Believe it or not, they use FIB levels. I've been in the, in the war room, all right? They use any kind of, where they want that, accelerate that stock. And this, is, this could be mutual funds or investment advisors, large ones. If they get the opportunity and it looks like the sun, the moon, the stars set up and the futures are moving, they get a chance to accelerate the stock, they'll buy them and, and, and at those points. Specialists know where your points are. They know exactly every single pattern. They sit there with their books, okay? They know exactly where it all is. And so there are no secrets on where you can accelerate a stock. Now, the hedge fund gets the same call. The hedge fund gets the same call from the street, meaning from the sell side, that your buy side institutions get. Well, if I'm running 300 million or 600 million, and I'm getting a call, at, uh, maybe it's a semiconductor call, you know, and the guy says to me, he said, we see nothing but buyers away in the semis. And I take a look at, ah, the heck with Intel, there's too much stock trading. I'll look at Plexus because it, it's as a mid-sized trader, meaning like trades 700, 800, something like that. That thing's set up, you know, where if I break it out, they're going to be all over it. And the institution will have to reach up and buy stock. So the hedge fund goes in, buys the hell out of Plexus, takes it, breaks it out, right? And everybody's there, and then the institution is yelling at their broker, the buy side institution, saying, stock's moving up, we're not buying any volume, why not? Right? But then the hedge fund keeps bidding for the stock higher and higher, and eventually they sell it to the, the buy side firm. If the, if the market doesn't change, the sun, the moon, the stars, stay there. That's, so those are the players, and they're accelerators. Right? They don't make their performance by buying and holding, and you want to know what? Neither do a lot of the institutions anymore other than the real pure value plays that sit and buy Bethlehem Steel and wait 10 years for it to come back, and I don't think there are many left. So what, what they're doing is, is that, you know, they're trading way too fast. Is it because there's new people come in and all they know is technology stocks, and that's the way the technology stocks are. It's great for us. Um, but, you know, I heard a, a fellow the other day on TV, and he said, someone said, what should you do in this market? This is before the rally Friday. And... He said, well, you should just buy, buy good stocks in here. You just concentrate on picking the best stocks, the best companies, and holding them. You know, and I, I'm sitting there listening to this guy, not even believing he's saying this. And I said, okay, I bought Procter & Gamble. I bought Bristol Myers. I bought Home Depot. I bought Intel. I bought Apple. I bought Motorola. Please, please, lend me some money for the drawdowns. <laughs> you know? I can't, I can't take it anymore. I got no nada, no cash left, you know. So it, 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 it's scary. We know he means, you know, we know what he means. We know it's great and all that and mutual funds over time. I don't mean that. I'm not making fun at him. But you know what? There are people out there to listen to that. And, okay, do they stop themselves or attempt to stop themselves? Do they, what do they do? How do you protect yourself and things like that? So I think, I think the game's obviously gotten much shorter, and it's due to the, the derivatives. It's due to the mentality of the portfolio side. That's what you have to live with, so that's what you have to adjust to. All right. Stocks, relative scanner, I won't go over that. It's on the site. You know, I, I, I do two screens. I, I love the scanner, our scanner. I do 80-80 just to give me a feel of, and again, thing, because the thing shows high earnings, 
doesn't mean that you know perception moves the stock and they should be a lag time but it's a good starting base to get a group of stocks it's wonderful and it's getting better each day 80 80 i look at and then i look at just greater or equal to 90 uh, and i just get a universe of stocks on the screen what i like to do is take the major sectors the drugs you know the energies etc put them up on the screen put three or four stocks in each sector and put them all you know nice and neat and uh, and then just watch which ones turn green that morning what how they start out then I do the same, uh, same thing with the NDX 100, but most of the time I'll mix the stocks. But, you know, in the NDX 100, you've got fiber optic stocks and, you know, things that might not be in the other. But, but usually they're, they're all together. So I'll just put them all up in there in groups, the techs, the drugs, etc. And I'll put a lot of the techs up, obviously. Then I put another list up that I call the chosen ones. And that's Juniper, you know, they, even though they belong in techs. It's, it's just the chosen ones. That's where the action is right now. Those are the stocks that the, that the, that the portfolio managers and the, and the tech funds are buying. You know, they're buying all, that's, that's what's giving them their performance. Those are the ones the hedge, runs, uh, hedge funds are front-running, and then the institutions are front-running themselves. They front-run each other to get them going and make performance. So where else do you have a choice? That's where you have to be, right? And that's why you don't go and pick up stock yourself. Your thought process should be, what's going on? Who's moving stocks and which ones are they moving? Now I focus my attention on those stocks, and I look for the buying pressure, selling pressure, and pattern type of thing, all right? Program trader. I want stocks that are program traders. How can I not? I mean, if I pick a stock and, and it's being run by the institution or being bought, I'm, either way, it doesn't matter how, what, what the reasons are. Market's doing well. Retail's buying. Futures are going up. Stocks are moving. Well, if I, if I have a stock that's involved in programs, which is the, the two major indexes and what have you, I got a chance to get that extra kick, that extra acceleration, right? Why not? And when we go over Slim Jims, that's where these Slim Jims explode from due to the programs and due to something with buying futures at fair value and not being able to buy them and having to buy stock, that's an extra kicker. It's a big, big kicker. And plus it adds liquidity up and down to give you an out. And also those are the stocks where the specialists commit capital to. Those are the stocks where the specialists make 90% of their money. They don't make any money on uh, East Oshkosh Inc. Um, you know? And although I know Jeff Cooper trades those stocks, and they're great to trade if you understand them and do it because they're, you know, they... You can spot somebody bidding because they can't get stock and all that. But for day in and day out, especially the big liquid stocks will pattern up and they'll be a lot easier to trade until you really get down the line. All right, so what we're doing is it's a free ride, volatile, good daily range. Obviously, day traders, we're limited by, we're limited by time and we're limited by range. Um, the high price stocks, obviously, they always trade better, I mean, from a standpoint of what we need them for on the short-term basis. But even on, it doesn't matter whether you're trading in position-wise or day trading-wise, that's where you can get the most bang for your buck. Identify buying and selling pressure. Now, the screen is up today, I'm told, uh, uh, on our site. And this is a screen that you can go in and, and, and identify a situation. I do it every morning. All right? it takes me 10 minutes. All right, what I do is this shows you whether the, these are the things you're interested in. Did the stock trade in the bottom of the range or the lower part, the bottom of the range or the top of the range? Somebody has to win the battle every day to trade above the midpoint. Somebody has to win the battle. It could be just because a major program of allocate, whatever it is, I don't care what it is, somebody won the battle. So that's the first thing I look for. Was there volume? What was the volume? Is it neutral? Is it increased? Hopefully it's increased. So that's the process. I look at that. I look at was there range expansion? All right. Now you're going to have on that, I'll go over the screen real quick. Was there range expansion? What was the range relative to its 10-day average daily range? Looking at the chart, you're going to see, was it a thrust day? Was it a wide-range bar that I like to use that term only because it's shorter? And was there price expansion? All right. 
one thing is I am very conscious and uh, of of what, in other words, what volume and closing price is telling me by looking at charts. After a while, you, you can get to do it uh, by osmosis. But what that means is, if a stock if a stock is up on the day one point, it trades a million shares of stock. That shows up that shows up as on balance volume very positive. All the things you read shows up very positive, and most of the time it is. Well, is it really positive? Stock opened in the morning up a point. It'll show BES. Stock stock opened up a morning, uh, you know, up a, a dollar on the futures, on some you know thing in the Globex. Traded up three points from there, or four points from there, and closed in the absolute bottom of its range, but still up a point. Okay, so. <laughs> How many days in a row can it do that? Now I put this out. I said to get, like I said to get short. That was a short day. Well, here's what preceded it. Okay, it didn't be a rocket scientist. We had a nice narrow range day here. I mean, a, a pattern here, consolidation up top. Looked like it wants to go, but right here, you get your, you get a warning. Say, okay, down day. Next day, it opens up a point. That's if he says it opened up a point, makes a new high, closes in the bottom of the range. Right. That means there was a motion in the market that day, futures, whatever it is, people were going. But, you know, when you get an order from an institution, when I work orders, my, my traders worked orders for the major accounts, um, you always want to scale up your sales and scale down your buys, right? Well, if, every, if there's a motion and you're getting funny money buying or whatever it is and, 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 and you get to scale it up, you get it. But at the end of the day or somewhere during the day, broker comes back and says, buyers faded. Buyers disappeared, you know, bids look like they're starting to get, and another seller walks in. All right, I say, hurry up. See if you can get some more volume in. Boom, 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 boom. Sell it down. And then what they do is you walk away. If you can leave the stock looking good at the end of the day, you just might get a chance tomorrow to do the same thing. And, and, and you know, there's a tactic to, to make the stock still look good. But you're selling, right? Now, when, when you see, you got to be very careful when you when you look at services, so it's great. Most now most of the time, a lot of times, you won't have to worry about that. But that's a green bar. That shows great volume because the stock's up a day. Now, if you weren't in the marketplace that day and didn't look at a chart, you'd say, oh, in the paper, oh, gee, up a point on 70% more than its normal volume. Wrong. Gotta be very careful of that. Next day, it just turns out not because of that. Next day it turned out to be a great short. Right? Do you short a stock like that in that kind of a trend above above all the moving averages? Hell no, not from position standpoint, but just that next morning, if it if it breaks that, absolutely. Absolutely. Right? Now, change in direction bar, what's that? It's a higher low, higher high, trades above the prior day's high, of course, and a confirmation it creates a swing point. Somewhere along the line you gotta make higher highs, higher higher uh, higher lows, all right, and higher highs. So that's all that that's all you're looking for and, and and as I mentioned the other last week several times this whole downturn down more than 20% not once did we get a, a confirmation of a change in direction or close above the high of the low day it's a very good discipline when you take in position trades I never ever take a position trade unless I get at least a confirmation of, of that and also obviously close over five days and you can go on down to Richard Dennis the turtles and everybody else but you know when when you can overcome X number of days or what have you of selling pressure or a price where you get, you know, then that's the only way a trend can go and start. And I think most of you obviously are very aware of what trends are and how that works.
Now, I, I, I put down here pattern anticipation and lowest common denominator. All right? Now, where do you get in? Now, if I, if I see a trade that sets up on the daily chart, or even the five-minute chart, it could just be a closing range trade. And, uh, but let, let's say it's, I'm looking every night on the daily charts. That's the first step. So I look on the daily charts, and this happens to be a weekly, right? Uh, Duke, I see. I look on the daily chart, and I see here's a weekly, and I see something that sets up with there. There's a close on that weekly bar, obviously. We have a tail, right? Obvious up here, you know. The whole world's buying it out of the consolidating base. Right? Every, every tout, every whatever says, got a six-week base, a 10-week base, 12-week base, buy the breakout. They're right. But maybe not for your first buy. Hopefully you'll see it here where a stock's been in an uptrend, pulls back, holds the 50, goes up, pulls back, holds the 50, meaning like it breaks, it comes back, trades over it. So this, now I'm sorry, 30-week. I apologize. It's a weekly. 30-week moving average. Closes above it. All right? Now, what do we do? I'm looking for a pattern in there with anticipation that this stock's in an uptrend, the dynamics being okay, I'll look at it and say, okay, if they take it through 44, I've got some, you know, that's above the rim, right? That's above the rim. That's some open space. And so I got a chance. So now, where I want to do it, if that's an intraday setup versus a daily chart, I want to take that trade in here, okay, and stop myself below the 30 week moving average, and hopefully, you know, the stop price is, is that's 38 and a quarter, that's, a, uh, I can either stop it below, the low, which is 5.2%, or I can stop it down 2.8%, just below the 30-week moving average. So I've anticipated a pattern like that, no question. If it gets out of there, it's got some room above the rim. But now I get entry down here, well, what have I done? I've identified buying and selling pressure and possible change in direction. So does it matter whether I identify it up here or whether I identify it down here in anticipation? All right? This is a proven commodity, hopefully. But that's, that's where you're looking for the generals and the, the, that's where they're going to take it. If they're going to take it out, they're going to start there. So, you know, what's my risk? Will I get stopped out? Sure. Do it again, though. If I get stopped out down two points. Now, this is where anyone would tell you to stop it in normal circumstances, right? That's where you should stop it any commodity trader, any, that's where you should do it. But if you're trading tight, and this is really going to be a good move, I'm going to stop right below there, down 2.8%, and, and then maybe get in again on a recross of the 30-week. Institutions, by the way, we look at a weekly chart, mostly using 10-week and 30-week. Okay? So now we're off and running, and, and, we, and we've got a shot. So that's what I mean when I say pattern anticipation. That's the lowest common denominator. All right? So everything, keep that. That's, that's the key point. The fading the open. Now I gotta ask. Everybody's had their books, so fading the open. All right, this is where it's at right now, with all the emotion. It's not always there, but this is where it's at regarding uh, two standard deviations. Now I've got to kind of go along with this a little bit because I want to make sure it's in the right order, and I want to make sure you have it. This is where. What we're doing here with fading the open is trying to take, take advantage of the, of, the, of the exaggerated reactions. Market makers, when the retail order flow comes in in the morning, they see it's loaded up to the sell side, it's going to go an incident and drop that stock down. They're going to hit that stock. That's going down. The market makers are making sure the, 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 the bids are low because they see the flow and they take it out. You know, if, buying and selling on the market is, is a dream. That's where payment and water flow and everything else is. Hey, 
but there's nothing wrong with the market makers. I mean, it's their capital. They got to stand there and buy it. Although, I mean, you see them all getting taken over. It's not because they're losing money, right? Uh, you know, they're, they're making money and they always make money, but they go through periods, troughs where they get hammered in some bad markets. So, but that's the game. It's not really game. That's what happens. The order flow is biased to the sell side. The price should be lower, right? Just like when a stock gets more volatile, the implied volatility should be higher. You know, people yell at uh, option market makers, and uh, you'll see John Nigerian here, he's terrific, but the answer is, hey, they reflect the risk, all right? Same thing, bids and offers reflect the risk out there, all right? So in this here, the New York Stock Exchange has an, in, now, how do, you, how do you fade the open? We'll go through the calculation of the bands. What we're looking for is, you got a standard deviation from one to two, all right? And then I put the couple in between, the two in between, just to show you the probabilities, which is a mathematical model, option model, standard deviation model, that, that indicate you the probabilities that volatility will revert back to the mean from those levels, all right? And that's kind of, that's what that is. Now, the, on New York Stock Exchange, they have an indication policy. Let's take, for instance, if you're looking on the first one, they're $100 and over, all right? What that means is, if that specialist is going to open that stock $5, five points up, or higher, let's just say it's, it's, it's buyers, they have to indicate it. Now, if you get Dow Jones News, I don't know, uh, Dow Jones News will carry what the indications are, you know, pre-market. So whatever vendor you have has that, I'm sure. So, and now what you're doing is you're saying, okay, where is that? How extreme is that opening? Now, fading the open is not, is a different trade than when Motorola announces or warns and they're dropping. That's, that's a different trade. That's fading the open, but it's a totally different backdrop before you do it. It's a different, you know, different mentality. I'm talking about when the futures are exaggerated in the morning due to an economic report or somebody on the tape, something that, that gets people excited and they go in, or it could be just pro program traders trying to accelerate their trade, seeing, you know, capitalizing on some looks, looks like weak news and they want to leg a trade, they bang the futures first in Globex, knowing the stocks are going to open lower, Okay, and they buy the stocks early on, and off go the futures, and you and I, see you later. Oh, I can't believe these whipsaws. Well, understand that, understand those dynamics, all right? And if you do understand them, you're comfortable with them, you'll just be ready that the action won't, you know, make you nervous when you're trading. You know, you, you don't get upset by it. You just realize there's a backdrop that, that happens, right? So now, the other thing what the specialists will do, and nothing wrong with it, is, a lot of them, and I have to, I love EMC because I, I, I just know how he, he does it. It's terrific. Futures, futures are down, down, down. Down eight, nine, ten points. Everything starts to open up, all right? He didn't indicate, all right? It just starts to open up. So he'll wait and wait until the stock starts to, the futures, you know, whoever sold those futures, they're going to start to cover. Maybe it was the locals, you ask Louie. Whatever it is, the game is on. They start to take, take some profits in, cover futures, do whatever they have to do. Program traders are, you know, getting involved and doing their thing maybe if they legged in. So now all of a sudden, he, see, he just sees a little lift, just a little lift. Now we'll open the stock, okay? Down four and seven eighths, one eighth below that five point mark. In the meantime, when he opened it up down four and seven eighths points, right? He didn't indicate it at five and he didn't go, he didn't go the prescribed amount of time past when he could open it. So what happens is he opens that stock down four and seven eighths, no indication. He's buying as much as he can of those sellers. It might open on, usually that, that stock opens on 250, 350,000, and it trades over four million a day. And four and seven eighths points down, that was the low. Or within an eighth of the low, it might get a tick 
a noise tick below it. But he saw the future start to move back, so he timed it. Very subtle, but he timed it. All right? He's just good. And, you know, but he can misread the move back. Right? So that's why when you're fading the open, and, and, and I'm going to show you how you can catch that by putting orders in, limit orders in, out at the one and a half to two bands. Okay, one and a half to two standard deviation bands. Put limit orders in. Now, those of you that tr do, trade the opening, and it's the only time I, I would ever get involved on the opening, is doing the bands. You know, I'm putting an order in, you know, three, four percent below or above, depending on where the band is, all right? That's the only time I would get involved because um, limit orders have no standing on the opening. So if I, for instance, when I put an order, you'll see these bands. When I put an order out one and a half to the one and a half band, you know, What'll happen is if, if it really opens extreme above that, I'll get executed because it'll open up above or below my price, whatever when I'm buying or selling. Then I'll get executed even though I had a limit order. Now, if I don't, that's okay. The more you get to know a stock, the more you will deviate with the band. So let's let's go over the calculation, and and then again, I I'll kind of go through it because I there's 45. Okay, closing price of the stock. What you're looking for is the implied volatility of the at-the-money call and put. Where do you get it? AT Financial, Track Data, any vendor you get it. And if you can't get that, you can get a, a mean price from iVolatility.com that, that has implied volatility. So I suggest, as you get started, do it every day for the S&P 500 and the NDX 100. Go in and get the call of implied volatility, get the put, add it together, divide by two. That's your average implied volatility. All right? Let's move over. I don't know if you have where you, the part where you're looking at fading the open where it has the table, the standard deviation table, where it shows you the probability. All right? I don't have my the book open to that, but it shows you one standard de deviation, 68% probability, then down to the two, which is 95%. All right? Obviously, the more extreme the price move, the, more, the more higher the probability is that you'll get a reversion to the mean. All right, and again, it's on futures, economic reports, early morning, just, you know, emotional reactions, not company specific, all right? Now the formula, the calculation, very simple. If, 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 if something has an implied volatility of 20 over 365 days, the stock's trading at 100, well, that just tells us, all right, multiply one times 0 0.20 times 100, that stock's gonna trade 20 points below 100, and a 68% probability or 20, point, 20, 20 points above, between 80 and 120 by that calculation of implied volatility. So what we want to do is we want to take that and just drop it to one day. So the calculation for that is, and it's on, I don't know where it's on, calculations on the, probably the page before it, all right, where you're taking the square root of one divided by 365, don't worry, you'll never have to do it again because the number's there, all right? All that is is we take one divided by 365, all right, times the price of the stock, and that's where you're on this page here, standard deviation, let's say, standard deviation times the implied volatility, times the closing price, times the constant, which is 0 0.05, et cetera, and you'll never have to do it again, equals the volatility band. So let's look at the table where I have the calculations done with the band of that 20, 20 volatility. Everybody on it? The band table for one day, X, Y, Z, okay? Uh, the bands, the 68% the, the probability is 1.05 points right on down to 2.09. 
Probably not a good choice to show you. You know, you, you, you're not going to be in a stock with a 20 volatility, but you can if it's one of your good stocks that you like to trade. Um, but it's not doesn't really have the range of the volatility. Now the band table for one day. I see what the points are up and down. I put the closing price in the middle. I have that on spreadsheet, and I and I and, and I jot it down a piece of paper. So right away, those have become alert zones, just like fib levels, just like moving averages or what have you. They become alert zones. Now, what does that mean? I'm going to see if something develops. I'm going to see if buying pressure, selling pressure develops. I'm going to see if any kind of pattern develops. I want to see if there's a change of direction at those levels. I want to see the market dynamics start to improve. Uh, stock trading at the midpoint, stock trading uh, you know, uh, on the offered side, assuming the stock's down, we're going to be a buyer. Uh, I want to see some green come up on the screen. I want to look over here and see my up volume, down volume. How's the volume ratio? Uh, very, I feel it's very important, more so than advances decline, because we're really operating on volume, you know, mostly on that. But I want to see in a few sectors, the green or what have you. That's what I'm looking for to make that decision. Not because it got to some number. And a very, very important point. You know, people laugh. I know Larry hates fib numbers. I don't know. I don't hate them or like them. I just know that things happen for whatever the reasons there. So therefore, they just become alerts, just like a moving average. You know, I just look. Now, all that does is, okay, what do I see when it gets there? That's all I care about. And there's a couple of exceptions where you buy a knife if you stops. Buy a knife, meaning it comes down, gets right to a level. You buy the knife because the stop's right below it. That's, you know, and I'll, I'll show you that. All right, so fading the open, Intel Friday. All right, go to the chart where Intel Friday, fading the open, all those things there. So we can go to BRCD, okay. Intel Friday. I just jotted these prices down in Instant after I got off the call, right? And actually during the call, I was just writing those as I was on the audio. And these are the prices, they're down, you know, BRCD is the one we're going to do here, but you can see all the prices. That was down 13 points to 220, and a gentleman last night said, oh, it was 226. I said, yeah, it was 226. That's where it was in New York. It was 220 in Instant. So, you know, if you're lucky and get a few hundred shares off in Instant or get a chance to take advantage of it, that's the first, that's the first uh, uh, battlefield for you and I to try to take advantage of fading the open is in the internet. If I don't know who here can or can't trade internet, but if you're trading through a direct access firm, you can um, by going through the trading desk or if you're sitting in a regular trading office, of course, they probably have internet. So that's the first level. Now I see that, and the day before though, that morning, Intel Friday, the day before, okay, I'm looking, I'm looking here at, keep reaching my finger, I'm, I'm looking here, I see, okay, that's one of the chosen ones, right? And, that work? Yeah, here it is. That's one of the chosen ones. And I see that the day before that, okay, we get a pullback, swing point here, a little move up, another little pullback, higher swing point there. Get an inside day, top of the bar. That became obviously an intraday trade setup for that day. So I put it out. That, you've had it. You had it. That becomes a setup because I'm right at the 20. It closed above all three moving averages 200, of course, 50, and the 20. And it's an inside day and it made a swing point, a higher low. I'm interested in that. This, this looks like a continuation of, 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 of the move to go to the next levels. There's the all-time high, 231. Again, lowest common denominator, pattern anticipation. All right, if the market's at least a little bit good, they're going to run that son of a gun up above 231. The hedge boys are going to take it up. Anybody's going to take it up. So now I get in because it's over the 20. It's, good, it's a good shot. That's what happened the next day. Now, next chart. All right. This was the day. The next day, obviously, was a very, very good day. Next day, we get a little, another continuation move, but not a whole lot, but enough from a day trade standpoint. So going into Intel Friday, this happened the day before. 
two days before. This happened the day before Intel Friday right there. So right away I'm saying, hey, if they want to play the game again and it goes, I'm going to get long going above the high. Or actually, if, if this was below here, I'd get, I'd get long going above that high. I wouldn't wait to that high. I'd get longer above that high. Again, lowest common denominator because it's moving higher. Pulls back and it goes again that high again, that wide range bar. I'm in above that high. Anticipation that maybe they're running. Now, the, am I in it because it's just above that high? No. The dynamics at the time, the chosen ones have to be green and all things dynamics have to be, you know, in our favor. So, now, this is Intel, this is, this is Intel Friday. So there's the close and there's the open. Now let's go to, let's go to the bands. If you go to fading the open, where we see uh, BRCD, it'll give you the table. Should be close to your last page. All right, and we'll just, to save time, we'll just go down to the, obviously, uh, Intel Friday, they all gap down. Now, Internet, that stock get down to 220. We see the 95% probability that the, the, second, the two standard deviation band was 13.33 points. Now, this, this is not a fine science. Each service is going to give you a different implied volatility. It's a ballpark, right? Um, so, and it depends on the calculation. Each, you know, they, some people might use, you know, a different calculation or different stack, different clothes, different whatever. But it, it's usually right pretty much close to it. Anyway, that's down 5.7%. So, it's an instant. Now, what do you do? Do you take the trade? If you're comfortable with these bands, and there's no company-specific news, it was, it, which it was, and it was on Intel, and everything else was in sympathy, um, you have a choice. Take a trade. You're not going to get much in Internet, right? Take a trade. Maybe you get lucky. You get a few. Uh, and if, if, you, if you think you're going to take all of it, take half your position, certainly in the funny money market pre-opening. You know, you just you buy some. But at those levels, you've got to buy some. This is the only time that I would catch a knife. If, it's, if they're all in the same oversold condition, okay, then I would catch a knife and not wait for a reversal bar. Because the reversal bar is liable to be six points or five points. And when you go to get it, when it's obvious, you know, on a stock like that, you can't buy it. You know, it spreads a half a point or whatever it is, and you're just, you're just taking it. So this is one time where you, catch, where you can catch a knife. I mean, if, if you get comfortable with it. And needless to say, um, Intel Friday, stock opened 226 and a quarter, 226, whatever it was, at 930. All right, 226 was the low, still down to the bands, that's still down, that took it all the way back up to the, the, the one standard deviation band, but it started to rally pretty good, and then it took off, of course, it went to 259, 15 teenies, you know, lucky day, crazy day like Friday, but you, you got to be in it to get the luck, you know, you, you got to be there to get the luck, so, you know, that's what, that's what the market makers do day in and day out, and that's why they're so profitable. They make all their money on openings and extreme reactions. And the other way they make their money is to, um, you know, get working order from institutions, just go out and buy the stock and sell it to them up an eighth. That's, way bit, that's like their commission. So, but, and the other way they operate is to, and specialists, I mean, market makers, is to make bids and offers to institutions, and that's usually where they get hurt. So they have to make it here big time on these reactions, and that's where you should start to look to make it. Okay, fading the open again. The I didn't go. The formula is fine. It's just a simple calculation. You'll see it there. Opening reversals. And I'm going to run through a couple of these because opening reversals, trap doors, and flip tops. They're strictly intraday trades. Uh, they're not position trades. Uh, doesn't mean that you can't carry a win if you stay with it all day. I'll just I'll say it say it once. Is that you know if you have a stock that's an intraday trade. 
you don't get stopped out, you're in there in the end of the day and you decide you want to keep it, sell half and keep the other one, that it becomes a position trade. But this strategy on opening reversals, not that they're strategies, they're just identifying uh, uh, directional change.